Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you uh, for your word. I thank you, God, um, for just the beauty that it brings, but also that it, it calls us as well to, uh, to join in in sharing the good news with others. And so, Lord, I pray that your spirit would guide and lead us here this morning. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we are uh, starting our fall campaign on, uh, that is called Speaking of Jesus. And uh, in this series, Speaking of Jesus, our goal is, is very simple. For the next seven weeks, we're going to be talking about what does it mean for us to speak about Jesus. Our goal is simple. We really desire for us as people to be having more spiritual conversations with others. Statistically speaking, this is something that is not happening all that often. The reality is that we believe that this good news of Jesus is something to speak of. I mean, you might ask, why? Why does it matter? Why, why would we talk more about Jesus? I believe that in a world that, that sees Jesus as this divisive character who can bring shame and often seems irrelevant, we come to find that the more that we talk about Jesus, the more that we share about what he actually discusses and talks about, we come to see that, that really he has good news for us in all circumstances and in all times. And that's why I love the words here that Paul gave us in Romans chapter 10, verse 15. If you want to go to that slide for me here, it says, says this, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. And at first glance, when I was looking at this text, it was kind of funny because I was thinking, Generally speaking, I would argue that feet aren't really that beautiful. In fact, I have an image of some nasty feet that I'd like to... No, I'm not going to show that on the screen right now, all right? I'm talking bunions, overgrown toenails, all sorts of things that run through your mind now. We don't think of feet as normally something that is beautiful. And in fact, the Bible, when it talks about feet, generally it's not saying that they themselves are beautiful. But when we hear the word feet, what it represents is feet is the means of this good news. Meaning that the thing that is beautiful is not the feet, but the news that it brings. It's kind of like Amazon in a sense, right? I mean, Amazon's kind of cool, but what's really cool about it is it brings you the stuff that you want. And what the Bible is talking about here when it says how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, it's not that you have beautiful pedicured toes. It's the fact that you bring news that is beautiful and is good. So, so what is the news that is brought? What is so good 
that makes even feet beautiful. I could go on for a long time, but like I've already said, I'm on a limit today here, all right? I've got two things that I want us to really highlight here that makes, like what makes the gospel so good. Two of them here that I think are important for us to lean in on. Two movements of the gospel that come when we speak of Jesus. And and I wanna do that through telling a couple of stories of where I've seen this personally happen in my own life. About uh, like five years ago, I had this incredible opportunity to go over to the Holy Land in, uh, in Israel. And in particular, my favorite city that we went and visited was Jerusalem. And when you go to Jerusalem, there is just all kinds of stuff there that's always for sale. And for me, as a spender, this is like a dream. I got all of the Christmas gifts, birthday gifts, all kinds of things in just one little spot. But there was one thing that I bought over there that was specifically for me because it was this perfect mix of Holy Land and America. (laughs) Like I'm talking America, you know what I'm saying here? It was this right here. It sits uh, in our living room. It says, Shalom, y'all. If you don't understand what's going on here, Shalom is this word for peace. It's a beautiful Hebrew word that's not just talking about absence of conflict or war, but it's wholeness. And and y'all is just y'all. America, right? Texas, Southern, all that kind of stuff. Meaning you all, as we say up here, but you'll come to learn that y'all is a beautiful word too, all right? And so so this, this thing sits on this mantle in, in our house. And about two years ago, my son Malachi was playing around with a ball in the family room, and I was in the kitchen, and, uh, and he was kind of throwing it off the wall and all the sorts of stuff. And all of a sudden, I heard this noise that came crashing down, and Malachi goes, oh, no, and he just runs, like kind of at a high pitch, like, ah. I walk in, and you maybe can notice it from the picture here, the shalom, y'all, was broken in half. There's so much irony happening right now in this moment. Because on one hand, I'm sitting here looking at this tile that I love, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Hobby Lobby is not going to have this. I'm going to have to go back to Jerusalem to replace this. This is like my favorite thing. No, like, but... But in that moment, what I started to really realize is that while I'm sitting here and focusing on this silly, broken tile, my son had ran out of the room, was in his bedroom underneath his covers. It was in this moment where it was just like, all right, while this is a really funny little kitschy piece, My son now has moved, and I hope you know this distinction, he's moved from guilt to shame. Knowing that guilt is just that he did a wrong thing, but now he believes that he's a wrong thing, that he has to run away from me as a result. And so um, I went into his room and saw him with like the covers over his head and he's just kind of like crying in there and I was just like, Malachi, it's all right. I love you, it's okay, it kind of fits now. And someday will become a story in one of dad's sermons or something like that. <laughs> but I was reminded of this text from, uh, from 1 Peter verse, or chapter two, verses six and seven. It says, whoever believes in him 
will not be put to shame. Whoever believes in Jesus will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. See, one of the first movements that we need to embrace about the gospel is it moves us from shame to honor. Amen? That the good news of Jesus, that when we speak of Jesus, is it takes away that shame that we feel all the time. And it moves us into a place of honor. Not because we're greater that we've done something, but because of ultimately what God has done through his death and resurrection for us. Uh, at the conclusion of my uh, seminary career, and I mean that, it was a four-year process, a long journey. Uh, I was down in St. Louis uh, going to school down there, and uh, the program that I was involved in, it all culminates at this one really important night called Call Night. See, in our church body, what, what we believe is that at the end of this seminary education, you get sent to a congregation to go and pastor to. That's the only reason you're at seminary. And so on April, or uh, yeah, April <clears throat> 26 of 2016, uh, call night finally came. I got to the place of where I had passed enough classes that they were like, hey, we think that this guy could be a pastor. In fact, I have a picture of it right here. That's uh, myself in the middle there and my beautiful wife, Gretchen, and as some of you probably know, Pastor Mark, who's uh, my boss and the senior pastor of Trinity. Uh, came down and we got to hear this night where, uh, where thousands of people packed the chapel and people were tuning in online and, and my name was called, David McGinley will be called to serve as mission pastor, church planter to Trinity Lutheran Church in the city of Chicago. And as I walked forward, I received this paperwork and uh, and then there was like a long line of people that you had to like shake their hand. You know, you've done this before if you've had a graduation, right? And so I was going down the line, I was shaking the hand, shaking the hand, shaking the hand. And the final person that I got to was the president of the seminary where I was attending. And he looked me dead square in the face and he said this, David, I want you to know that you have by far the hardest call of any of your classmates. And I was just sitting there thinking, maybe he says this to everyone. Is this like <laughs> some like reverse psychology going on here? What's, what's going on? But, but, he's, but what he said is, you know, I, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. My heart breaks. I, I know what's going on in the city of Chicago. There's a lot of churches that are empty. A lot of things have changed and have moved on. And you're being called to go back into a place, which he knew more than I did at that time, to a church that was empty, that was dead, and called to start something new again. But when he told me those words, he said, my final words for you are this. They're famous words that come from 1 John. You've maybe heard them before. He said this, remember this, David, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And then I just shook his hand one more time and then went away. <laughs> Six months later, 
come here to Chicago. My family is here. We meet some people that are here, a part of this community now. Some things are moving, but man, I'll be honest, six months in, I'm sitting here thinking, what in the world am I doing? We finally decided uh, that we were going to have our, our first Bible study here at church. This is about six months in, seriously. And it was a September night on a Sunday night. Invited everybody that we knew. And seven people showed up. Four of them were from my family. <laughs> if you're wondering who was missing, it was my wife. And it wasn't because she didn't agree with what was going on. She was at home sick. And in that moment, in that night, I had to have somebody later on tell me these words again. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. As, as time went on, I uh, started to meet some people from the community around. And uh, and I remember vividly meeting one family, sharing the vision of what this church could be, because our heart and desire is that we would be a church that embraces diversity, a place that reflects the community that exists around here, that looking, living, and loving more like Jesus means that it takes us into different places and in uncomfortable relationships. And as I was in the middle of an uncomfortable relationship, it became very apparent that it was so because I was talking to this woman and she grabbed my hand and she said, listen here, honey, you're not the right skin color to be a pastor in this community. It was in that moment that I would have to be reminded from somebody else that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I remember uh, standing literally right here on a Thursday morning. Uh, it was a really cold morning. And my friend from the school, Joseph Lovett, Officer Williams, had gone through some premarital classes. He wanted to marry his girlfriend. And, uh, and we sat here, uh, we stood here on a, a Thursday morning and got to make these beautiful covenant and promises them to one another, but also to God in this place, the first couple who was ever married here at Trinity Galewood. And it came to be a couple months later that I got a phone call on a Thursday night, it was technically Friday morning from his wife and saying that he had been shot. Ultimately, it would go on and move to, he would die from complications from that gunshot wound. And as there was long moments and lots of frustration and, and lamenting to God, I would have to be reminded, for he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Or just to you know, put a cherry on top, I don't even have to explain this story all that much, COVID-19. That here we are, seven months later, I'm looking at y'all with masks. Y'all look great. But we're still in the middle of challenging circumstances that leave us in a place of fear and wondering what will happen next. And as we speak Jesus to one another, I want us to hear 
that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. See, the second movement that I need us to understand here today is that the gospel moves us from a place of fear into a place of power. Now, hear me on this. I'm not telling you to be dumb or stupid, all right? I'm telling you that in this moment, that understanding who Jesus is, what that says is that in the midst of trial and circumstances, I know that God is in it. I know that he's with me in this, and I'm not alone in it. That as things change and as things don't go how we necessarily imagine them to go, we're reminded that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. See, church, I need us to understand these words that Paul wrote, why they're so beautiful. He said in Romans chapter 10, verse 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. That's not just a task that is given to the pastor who gets to stand up in front of people. That's a task that's given to all of us to herald, to go and proclaim, to speak about Jesus because it is good news that we speak to one another, but that we don't hold to one another, we share with others as well. When you came to church today, one of the many little handouts that you were given was this thing right here. It was a spiritual conversation card. And over the next seven weeks, we're going to be leaning into why we're talking about speaking of Jesus. I just want you to be aware that when you were given this, there was an intentional reason behind that. I want you today or sometime this week to just kind of read through this thing as this is going to be important for us as we're going on this journey for the next seven weeks. And in fact, this is what we're going to be talking about in our small groups with our fall campaign. We always pair up our Sunday morning teaching to our small group series. So if you're not in a small group, we would love to get you into a small group. There's a sign-up sheet on your handout that you were given when you came in today. But I want us to hear this very thing. You are carrying good news. And, And that good news has movement. It moves us from a place of shame to honor. And it also moves us in a place of fear into power. Might be saying, okay, that's great. How do I do that? Well, come back next week because we're going to be talking about it for the next seven weeks of what this looks like, of how we do this. I just want you to know that you're carrying good news because of what Jesus has done. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are a God who brings good news into this world, Lord. We are in desperate need of it. And so, God, um, I thank you just especially for the movement that it brings in our lives. Lord, may we be so bold to share that with one another not only in our community of believers here, but that we would also be so bold to speak about you and the promises that you bring. Because, Lord, we know 
that they do something here in our world. So help us, Lord, to, to see you more clearly in, in all things, and may we be so bold to hold and cling on to the promises that you have moved us from shame to honor and from fear into power. In Jesus' name, amen.